Well, let's talk about American and Iranian intervention in Iraq in recent years. I'm talking the past decade, the past 10 years, and how that has affected Iraq. And we'll start with the 2010, 2010 elections. You had two major figures contending to be prime minister. One was Iyad Alawi leading the Al-Iraqiya alliance, a secular alliance that was well supported by the Sunni community. And the other was Maliki, the outgoing prime minister who was hoping to gain a second term. And he was Shiite and supported by a proportion of the Shiite community, a substantial proportion. Uh, he was from the very small Dawa party, but a very influential and powerful party. And he had uh, garnered a number of MPs to his list. And, uh, and he also was a major force. And the elections took place. There were questions about the elections. I mean, I can remember... There were many issues. One, for example, was the soldiers who were in the guard in, in Baghdad and whether they, uh, the many of them had been denied the chance. There's, there's a special election day for the military a day before the main elections. Uh, for various reasons, some of them had been on duty and had been denied the chance to vote on that day and did not get a chance to vote on the subsequent election day. And it was felt by some of them they might have supported Alawi uh, because he, that was their inclination. Um, there was some frustration there. There were, um, there, was, there, were, there were frustrations on all sorts of minor issues. But no matter, it... it I don't think it significantly affected the result of the elections. Iyad Alawi won. He won the in the, in the won in the sense that he had the largest single vote. Now we're excluding the Kurds here, but the Kurds had a traditional uh, friendship with Alawi, and there was no reason to suppose that they would do him down in any way, uh, but that they would. Uh, the the perceived wisdom, anyway, or the received wisdom, was that the Kurds would honourably accept the, the the person with the the largest single vote as uh, as being the one to form the government, become prime minister. Not in this instance. The United States of America put immense pressure on the Kurds. The United States of America did not want to change horses. Now, they had supported Alawi in the past, but on indeed, and famously, in, in the um, January 2005 election, when the Sunnis as en masse had boycotted the elections, that was one of the early elections, well, the earliest, I suppose, full national election. The Sunni community boycotted the elections, and Alawi had a secular list, and the Americans encouraged the people at the count to put in a proportion for Alawi because they didn't want the parliament not to have Sunni representation in the proper way. So they, they wanted some sort of vote to have uh, happened. Yeah, um, so there was, there has been um, 
manipulation of the vote before historically, but there was not significant manipulation of the vote in the 2010 elections. But the Americans and the British and the Allies, if you like, the Western powers, were not going to have Alawi take power as prime minister. So they did the obvious thing. They told the Kurds, you're not going to do it. Haram Alek, no, 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 no. You will not support Alawi if you want to keep in our good books on pain of severe recriminations from us Western powers. And so the Kurds crumbled. And they, they said, okay, we're supporting Maliki for the second term. We do as we're told, as long as you're nice to us. And so Maliki got a second term. Now, it's not a question of whether Maliki was good or whether Maliki was bad um, in that second term. Maliki was a strong man. He became stronger in that second term. Some people said in his first term he was comparatively weak compared to his second term. In his second term, he became the man. But the point was that the Sunni community felt disempowered, that they lost faith. They were already feeling some frustration at what they perceived as repression at the hands of the Shiites, and now they lost faith, they lost enthusiasm for Iraq's democracy because they had been victorious in the election, I mean, or at least their chosen secular candidate was. Alawi is actually technically a Shiite, by the way, but he's a secularist. So their chosen candidate, the head of the Al-Araqiyya list, who'd won the election with a two-seat majority over any other bloc, and indeed by a good, solid, best part of 100,000 votes, I mean, there's no question. No question. Alawi won. Iyad Alawi won. But no, he wasn't allowed to take power. There was a kind of um, um, cosmetic deal where he was supposed to be um, in charge of some security council, but even that never happened. It was just a, a puff to try and keep him out of the way. No, he was shafted severely by the U.S. of A. And the consequence? What was the consequence? Well, you can blame many people for the emergence of Daesh. Uh, you could say the Turkish government has a major role to play in the emergence of Daesh because they allowed the foreign fighters to come down, because they helped um, transfer equipment and so on to Daesh, ISIS I'm talking of when I say Daesh, you know. the. Well, um, but really the key thing that happened was uh, the perceived repression of the Sunnis under Maliki II, the perception by the Sunnis of their disempowerment because their votes hadn't counted in the elections in Iraq because America wouldn't tolerate uh, Iyad Alawi as prime minister. Interesting. For why? They just didn't want change. They didn't want any, any, any rocking of the boat. Didn't want anything different. It was nothing to do with they didn't like Alawi. They just didn't want any. They, no, no, don't rock the boat. We are nervous. 
So you crush democracy, you crush democracy, and, and violence is the outcome. Daesh and ISIS emerged. I mean, I'm oversimplifying things, but nonetheless, there's a real truth there. And what's wrong with Daesh, by the way? Let's just state it very simply. The key thing, apart from its gross, obscene levels of violence, is its exclusivity. It's we are right and you are wrong, and if you're not with us, you're against us. And uh, it's not the way, of course. Uh, it's not the way. And we had then an alliance, an unholy alliance. I mean, Iran had done nothing but make trouble in Iraq over the years. But now we had um, a holy alliance of the United States of America, the Syrian and Iraqi Kurds, the Iranians, the militia forces from Iraq, the Iraqi militias, the new Heisht al-Shabi newly formed, and the Syrian army, the Syrian army of Bashar al-Assad, I say. Uh, all of these forces were working together coordinating their action to defeat ISIS. An unholy alliance indeed. They wouldn't even call it an alliance, but it was an alliance. And it was sort of successful, at least uh, on the ground, in the retaking of the territory held by Daesh. But then, in the aftermath of all that, nothing changed. So... There was still this sense of Sunni disempowerment. And meanwhile, the Shiite youth themselves were getting frustrated at the flaws in governance, the corruption uh, and the unemployment uh, in, a, in an oil-rich country. It led to civil unrest. And now, I mean, Iran had been, except in the fight against Daesh, where Iran was immensely helpful, by and large, Iran had been a hindrance in Iraq, um, I would say. But now we had civil unrest against the government of Iraq by Iraqi youth. And I'm talking now in the, in the past six months. We're talking in the end of last year when I was in Baghdad, October, November. The young people in, in Tahrir Square... And we had all this civil unrest, and the demonstrators were shot. Shot at the behest of Iran? Well, you can argue yes or no. Certainly Iran did not stand in the way of this. And many of these forces are... I mean, Kataib Hezbollah, run by the famous Mohandis, who soon to be assassinated, that was a Iran... Was it an Iran proxy force? Well, hugely sympathetic to Iran. Uh, Soraya al-Qosani, the Qosani Brigades, the 18th force in the PMU, small force, loyally committed to the supreme leader of Iran. These are Iraqis. Iraqis. Now, they would argue that's okay. It's like uh, a South American supporting the Pope. It doesn't mean support Italy. We support uh, the supreme leader. It doesn't mean we support Iran. Okay, well, you can cut the mustard any which way you want to do it, but Soraya Qasani, very ruthless little group, in my view. And who was shooting the protesters? Shooting those brave young men. Well, it was a kind of killing feels, wasn't it? 
And that is the Iranian attitude to Iraq sometimes. Some Iranians, particularly some senior clerics, will regard Iraq as the killing fields. For why? Because it's where Hussein died. Husseinam, the great one. The martyrdom of Hussein took place and soaked the soil of Iraq with the blood of the great martyr. So it remains a place of where 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 martyrdom is expected, where where blood is expected. Now there is, of course, the underlying this. There is also a desire to see a corridor between Iran and the Med, especially because of Iranian hegemony in Syria and in Lebanon. Lebanon, in the shape of Hezbollah, which is a kind of, well, not a proxy force, but a a, a, a force of of certainly Shia loyalists. Um, and so there you have it. Uh, and interestingly too. Um, the Iranian mentality, let's just reiterate it. Iran regards U.S. and Israel as the great enemies, not Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, of course, maybe maybe they regard as a U.S. proxy or whatever, but, but it is U.S. and Israel that are the, 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 in, in the Iranian mentality, the big enemies. Yeah, because of sanctions from the U.S. I mean, because uh, the whole historic attitude to Israel. And, um, and then what happens? We have the great Trump gamble, the assassination of Qasim Soleimani. Soleimani was an awful man in, in many respects, responsible for some terrible actions. Some terrible actions, some terribly brutal actions. An assassination that also took out Mohandis on January the 3rd of this year. Mohandis being the leader of Qatayb Hezbollah, the Iraqi. And the Americans did not know Mohandis was there. And their intelligence is very weak in Iraq. They depend on Iraqi intelligence um, to get their information. But um, So they didn't know Mohandis was there, but they, in a subsequent meeting with the Iraq security forces, which has been reported, the Americans said, well, we didn't know. We admitted quite openly. We had no idea Mohandis was there, but we don't care. We're glad to see him gone. That was what they said. Yeah, well, um, it's fine. And Soleimani was, Qasem Soleimani was assassinated. He had the biggest funeral Iraq has ever seen. He wasn't even in Iraq. He wasn't even buried in Iraq. But his, his procession through Baghdad was the biggest funeral Iraq has ever seen. And um, and Iran, in response, uh, had these missile strikes against U.S. bases. And um, the Americans had removed all the soldiers, by and large. So they didn't harm anyone. Well, there were a couple of injuries, but nothing much. And Iran uh, made erroneously took down the Ukrainian airliner and killed all those people. And that really um, did it for Iran. That was the end of uh, the Iranian response. Thank God it was. It was a big gamble by, by Trump. However, Iraq's reaction was to say goodbye, America. A vote was taken in Parliament, of course, boycotted by the Kurds and um, by most, perhaps not all, but most of the Sunnis. And... Um, 
a vote took place in the Iraq parliament to exile, uh, send away, banish U.S. forces and indeed all foreign forces, Iranian too, but um, Iran, Iran relies on proxy forces in Iraq, but banish all foreign forces from Iraq. Uh, Trump, Donald Trump was not pleased. I, had I been Donald Trump, I would say, Shukran Gazilan, thank you very much, I'm going. But no, he said, if they do, as according to his exact words, Donald Trump, if they do ask us to leave, if we don't do it in a very friendly basis, we'll charge them sanctions like they've never seen before. Pompous, goodness sake. I mean, um, but we will have to go. There is a mood now in Iraq and the Heshtal Shabi politicians are getting are on that bandwagon. We, I say we, because it's not just America, but America and all its allies will all have to leave Iraq. Goodbye, Iraq. Um, at least militarily, our bases will have to close. Except in Kurdish Iraq, I suppose we can go on there and nobody will mind. Perhaps, I'm not sure. Well, was it worth it? Well, we got rid of Soleimani, I suppose, but targeted assassination is never the way to do things. It's dishonorable, and uh, and you never know who you're killing. I mean, it's one thing to kill Mohandas by mistake. The next day it'll be a wedding party or some such. We've seen this again and again and again. It's a blunt weapon. It's assassination. Assassination is ethically questionable in every circumstance, in almost every circumstance. You give me a gun, would I have shot Adolf Hitler and assassinated him, given a chance? Yes, probably. At the cost of my own life, I would happily have done that. But it's not, as a general rule, I mean, people are employing assassination like confetti, and it's Obama did it. It's not the way to go. It's not the way to go. So there you have it. Uh, the the America and Iran have both been a problem for Iraq, really. I am not arguing against the fall of Saddam. I think that was necessary. Well, we could argue about it, but uh, well, let's not go there. I'm talking about since. I'm talking about the last decade. I'm talking about the last decade of American and Iranian involvement in Iraq. It's not been helpful. It's not been constructive. It's been ill thought out. It has been asinine, really. Let's face it. And it's astonishing how incompetent our leaders can be. Okay. Thank you.